Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by The Harrier. And today we have a very exciting episode, uh, but before we get into it, please make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review. really helps us know that you're enjoying all the content, um, seen a lot of great support. Um, also, if you didn't listen to it Yesterday, or I guess this past week, we had our newest installment of the Moving Mountain series. Uh, it's a docu-series following the 2020-2021 season for Mount St. Mary's University. Uh, even if you know nothing about the school, uh, it's still really cool to listen to some of the things that are going on in between meets and, and everything like that. Uh, also, definitely make sure that you tune in this upcoming week because it's probably, not probably, it is my favorite episode uh, that we have. A, a lot of crazy stuff happens, so you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, now, uh, want to get into the this week. It wasn't a, a lot of things didn't happen this week, to be honest. Uh, this was kind of a, a dead week for for track and field, uh, mainly because many of the athletes are are getting prepared for the Olympics if they're the Olympic caliber athletes, obviously. And uh, so there wasn't a ton of fantastic performances, but we still did have uh, a good amount of news that that came out of uh, the thing the track world, whether it was for good or for worse. And so uh, unlike last week where we started off talking about some some good things, uh, we're unfortunately going to be starting off on a bad note today. So one thing that it's, it's almost worldly renowned, or at least throughout the track world, is that USATF just finds ways to make track fans not love it. Uh, and so there's two things that they did this past week that made even more controversy than it has in the past three weeks that I'm sure you all know. So this thing uh, comes to the selection for the women's high jump for the Olympic team. So for what happened at the Olympic trials, uh, the jumper uh, Anika McPherson she got second place and was supposed to be going to the Olympic trials. She or the Olympics. She went to the Olympics in 2016. She has experience. Uh, she's a veteran in the in the sport. She's obviously you know really good jumper. Uh, and so everyone was like, okay, she's going to be going. She's you know it's top three. Um, uh, it was Vashti, her, and then someone else. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But the selection committee came out today and said, no, actually you're not going to go. Uh, who is going to go is Ty Butts, who didn't even qualify for the final of the Olympic trials. She came in 14th. The The finals for the Olympic trials is only the top 12. Why did they take uh, Ty instead of Anika? Well, she hit the Olympic standard in, I believe, April or March, early on in the year, and Anika did not. And no one else did, actually, uh, except for someone that no heighted. She also hit it. But, um, yeah, so it was, it was her, Vashti Cunningham, um, and, um, yeah, now Ty Butts that, that is going to be going. And so everyone is enraged because it, we're, you're getting someone that didn't even qualify for the final that is now going to be going to the Olympics. And so it took away the entire idea that everyone kind of thought the Olympic trials was, like, especially like casual fans and even myself, I, I didn't really recognize the importance of what the Olympic 
the Olympic standard is and, and what it honestly meant. And this really shows the importance of it because uh, it's not actually the top three. It's only the top three at the Olympic trials if all those people hit the Olympic standard. Otherwise, there's some caveats to it. Uh, and this is an example of it. And uh, so when you don't qualify off the Olympic standard, the only the other way that you can continue to go to the games, even if you didn't hit the standard, would be as if you're in the top 32 with the world ranking. Uh, where does Anika McPherson rank within the world ranking? Well, she ranks 33rd. <laughs> so she is one spot away and really probably only a few centimeters at a better jump. Like if she had jumped maybe one higher bar throughout the year at a big meet, she might've been going, but she, she's 33rd. And so she is out. Um, Ty is 30th. Um, and so if she was not involved in it, if uh, they didn't include Ty in this ranking, uh, then Aniko would be 32nd and she would be going, but uh, she's not. And so this brings up a lot of controversy. Um, there was plenty change.org petitions of, you know, get Anika back on the team and, and all that stuff and just a lot of things going on. And it's this is something that, to me, USATF got wrong, horribly wrong. So I understand the importance of get, you know, hitting the Olympic standard. You have to be able to hit that to go to the, to go to the Olympics. Sure, I get it. I understand it. I feel that if you don't even make the finals for the Olympic trials, you should not be considered going. Like, I feel like that should be something that we can all get around. If you do not make the finals of your event, why are we then going to consider you to go to the Olympic team? It's not like she's so much better than Anika. She's very similar in competition. She had, she had a good jump uh, early on in the year, hit the standard, good for you. But now you get to go and you don't, you, you're watching the, the finals, like from the sidelines. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I would think that if you don't make it, you're scratched completely. Just like if you know height, if you know height, you do not get considered because like I said, there was another jumper that no heighted, uh, had she qualified for the Olympics or had she hit the standard, she would have been going as well. Um, but she didn't. So she is not. Um, and so it's, it's dumb. Another thing that, uh, yeah, sure. The rules are the rules. Uh, if you want to say that, but it's like, this doesn't make sense. Like if you go back and tell people, yeah, traditionally it's the top three, uh, except when you don't hit it and be like, oh, so it's going to go to like the next best one or whatever. Yeah. It's like, okay, so what that the next best place got like what fourth place, fifth place, something like that. Uh, no, they, they actually, they didn't even, they didn't even compete on this day. She competed actually yesterday in the high jump. And she didn't make it, and so she's going to be going because she jumped really high earlier on in the year. And it's like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. So, uh, once again, USATF gets it wrong. Um, you hate to see it, and I wish that she would be be going because uh, it's most likely probably her, her last Olympics. I believe she's 35 or, or something. She, she's older, so it'll be difficult for, for her to rebound and, and come back to make another team. Um, I, I hope she does, but, uh, you know, just something that's difficult to see. Uh, another thing that USATF, once again, I think gets wrong, um, we're not going to be fielding any teams pretty much other than the Olympics. Uh, so they, they came out about last week saying um, that they are not going to be, USATF is not going to be fielding teams for the U23 championship, the Thorpe Cup, the U20 championships, and then the U20 Pan Am Games. So 
Um, they're citing the, the COVID concerns for the reasons that we're not competing in these. Uh, U23 Cup is in Costa Rica. Thorpe Cup, I'm not sure exactly where that is. I feel like it's in Pennsylvania because Jim Thorpe, Thorpe's pencil from Pennsylvania or whatever. Uh, but either, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Uh, not doing that. Uh, U20 Cup, I believe, is in Kenya this year. Uh, and then Pan Ams is somewhere um, in Central America. I'm not sure exactly where it is. But we will not be fielding teams for those due to COVID concerns. They said that they're going to be reevaluating the schedule for the 21-22 uh, uh, year to see if there's going to be meets that they can evaluate there. And another another heartbreaking thing here, man. I mean, we've, we're seeing that we can hold international competitions. Uh, and it's not like these competitions aren't being held. It's not like someone's saying, okay, we're not doing the U23s, we're not doing Thorpe, we're not doing U20s. We're not, not, that's not happening. What's happening is that USATF is saying, no, we're not going to be competing, even though we've seen that we can host and we can go to these meets and be safe. And it's just heartbreaking because what we're, you know what else is insane? The U, the U18 basketball championship is going on right now. Like they have high schoolers and, you know, doing it for the United States. So it's not a United, like a Team USA rule. Other sports are competing in these other non-Olympic teams, but track and field decided not to. And so I think it's one of two things. Well, actually, I think it's really the one thing, and that's money. Once again, it comes to money. And it's the fact that track does not bring in uh, eyeballs. It doesn't have the, the financial backing behind it. Uh, and that is why they want to cut our sport. They showed that they wanted to do that in, in uh, the NCAA championship. Obviously, it's two very different um, organizations that were doing this. Uh, one is USATF and then one is the NCAA, um, where the NCAA was trying to cut uh, 2,000 athletes. And this is now um, USATF trying to, to cut um, a couple hundred athletes from being able to compete. And it's, it's heartbreaking, man, because this is, this is something especially unlike the NCAA where you can't get this year back. Once you turn 24, once you turn uh, 21, whatever it is, you're not able to compete at these things anymore. You're done. And so it's not like, oh, college, we can give you an extra year of eligibility. No. With this, once you're done, you're done. Many of these athletes, this is their only chance that they're going to be able to rep Team USA in their entire lives. And now you're going to be taking it away, not because the competition's canceled, where if that was the case, I'd understand it. I can understand why an entire competition would be canceled like that, but they're not. Team USA is just saying we're not sending teams, and the fact that we're not doing that is is crazy. It's it's stupid to me because we've shown that we can do it, and um, it the, the competitions are so close that there's really no shot that they're going to be coming back. I mean, I think the... The U-20 championship was supposed to have happened like last week, uh, and these other competitions are going to be happening uh, by the end of July, so there's not a really good good chance that they're going to be coming up. Uh, it's just really heartbreaking, especially for all those athletes. I feel for them for sure. Uh, next, I uh, want to go into a recap of the pretty much the only major meet that we had uh, over this past week, and that was Monaco. And what stinks is that the meet kind of sucked. <laughs> it was not really great. Um, 
there was a few interesting storylines and uh, races that that happened, but overall it was not a, an over, a, an exciting meet, which kind of stinks because the Monaco is kind of known for getting a lot of those big name athletes, uh, whether that's because they have a bigger budget for appearance fees or the athletes just like the track or they like the area, whatever it might be, uh, they tend to have a lot of really big names. Um, and so they had a lot of names and you would think, oh, there's all these big time athletes. This should be a really exciting meet. And it really kind of fell short of that, uh, which really stunk. Um, so I'll take a look at uh, what three, uh, three or so different uh, storylines from the from the meet that I think are going to be interesting moving forward uh, with the Olympic Games coming up in about two weeks and, and everything like that. So number one, uh, Ronnie Baker wins the 100 with a 9.91. Uh, this was huge because uh, he he beat all the people that were on this USA team uh, ahead of him and really kind of shown that he deserves to be here. It was clear that he was excited about this because right after he finished the, the race, he was smacking the track and he's like, he's like, I deserve to be here. Like, you know that or like whatever it is, you know, something that people say when they're excited. Uh, so he got first and then uh, you'd be like, okay, probably Brumel and, you know, got second. He just had a bad race. No, Sambine uh, got second, Jacobs third, DeGrasse fourth. And then Bramel and Curly in, in fifth and sixth. So Ronnie really like kind of you know showing up when when you need to when he needs to. Uh, and and I think this also this race also shows that I mean Bramel's on not uh, is not untouchable. He was undefeated going into this race. I think it was ten races uh, in a row this year. Um, and then now this is his first one that he that he lost and it was a, it was a pretty bad race for him as well. I think he ran a 10.01, uh, and then Curly ran a 10.15. Um, I, I, I don't think it matters uh, a ton right now. Uh, I think this means more for Ronnie Baker than it does for Brumel or Curly. Um, Brumel, it shows that he's extremely consistent. This is just one race that he had bad. If this happened three months, if this happened three weeks ago, no one would care. Um, with Curly, uh, he's shown that he gets better as the rounds progress because it takes some time for him to, you know, build up speed since he is traditionally that 400 meter runner. So winner's just one race. I'm not, I'm not taking that with, you know, too much. It's if once he can get through the first round and then if he can get through, get through the second round by the time that finals hits, that's when I feel he's going to be hitting his stride because he's going to be, you know, getting, getting going there. And so I'm, I'm not too, too scared for them. Uh, excited for DeGrasse. He's really starting to show up. Uh, he had a slow start of the season, and he's now really picking things up, as he usually does. Uh, he tends to have slower starts of the season, but he's been racing pretty well recently. Uh, I think this was another race for him under 10. He's going to be running again this upcoming week. Um, actually, by the time this episode releases, the the 100 will be going on again. Uh, Brumel, Curly, DeGrasse, they're all going to be running again at the Mueller, uh, the Mueller Invitational or whatever it is. Uh, so make sure you, you tune in for that. It should be a, a pretty good race as well. Um, hopefully it'll be a, a good bounce back. Um, we'll see where they are. I think this is going to be the last competition for all of those guys before the, the Olympics. So uh, that should be a good one there. Uh, another storyline that we got from this competition was from the 800 meters uh, on the women's side. So uh, Laura Muir and uh, Gemma Recchi both ran under 157 today to go uh, one and two. And so that shows that I this is one of the most competitive races uh, that we have in the on, 
in the entire Olympics for sure. Um, so now we have six women that are under 157. Uh, there's what? Uh, these two, obviously, uh, a thing Mo and um, uh, who else? There's a, another lady from Jamaica, drawing a blank on her name. But there, there's a lot of really, really talented women. Oh, here we go. Uh, a thing Mo, uh, Rosemary Almaza, I butchered your name, uh, Ghoul, Nadia Ghoul, Wakaru Getachu, uh, like, like I said, Laura Muir, Jenna Recchi, and then uh, the first ones out that, that don't quite have it, uh, Kate Grace, even though she's not going, uh, Raven Rogers, who's 157. So there's a lot of people that are, a lot of ladies that are right there for, you know, having really top times. And, and all of these ladies that are under 157 have done it uh, within the last month. It looks like, yeah, uh, the oldest, the oldest race, um, here is a, a little month, about a month ago from Getachu who ran on June 8th. Um, everyone else though is within a month or did this, this past week. So it's going, it's showing that everyone's starting to peak. And so I think that it's going to take a sub 156 race in order to win this Olympic trials. If everyone's going out fast, cause the, the entire finals is almost has, has a chance of being all under that 157 mark. And so it's going to take some very, very fast times to win it. And I would not be surprised if it takes a 155 uh, in order to take home the championship here. Um, uh, another storyline that, uh, that I saw, uh, Emma Coburn, uh, so she was actually on pace to break the American record in the steeplechase, but ended up falling on the last water hurdle, um, which kind of stinks. Um, but I, she even says like, yeah, like, uh, it, it stinks that we, you know, that happened, but, you know, things happen in, in the steeplechase and, you know, hopefully she'll, she'll be feeling good going into the Olympics. And I think that she gets more positive things out of this race because traditionally she's a really good technician. She usually doesn't fall over hurdles. And so I think that she just might've realized, oh, I'm, I'm in position to run really fast right now and might've overthought it and just took a misstep on that, that hurdle and, you know, that that was that's all she wrote, and so I think that going into uh, the the Olympics, she's going to be really consistent um, because there she's, I, I in my mind the, the favorite to win the steeplechase there. But um, yeah, uh, over overall, those are the three kind of things that I took from this meet. I mean, you had Warholm who who ran under who ran a forty seven again. Uh, wasn't a world. It's it's crazy. You run forty seven like eight times and no one cares because you set the world record not too long ago, but. Uh, not, it wasn't an extremely exciting race. Not too many records went down. Not too many fantastic performances. A lot of big names. Uh, hopefully we'll see some, some big things coming out of this upcoming week. Um, or I guess to meet today, um, if you're listening to this. And then uh, last story of the day. Uh, Shakari Richardson. She's going to be making her return to the track on August 21st, August 21st, uh, at the Prefontaine Classic in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, she said she's going to be running the 100 and the 200 and is very excited to be getting back on the track. Um, I can't wait for this. Um, and I think what, what's good is that this is close enough where people are still going to be talking about who she is. Now, obviously, uh, she got a huge boost from how she's been performing recently uh, in that everyone is like, has, you know, is talking about her. She went from 400,000 followers on Instagram to over 2 million followers in the course of like 
three weeks. So she's a huge name. She was at the ESPYs. People were talking about her at the ESPYs. She was on ESPN. Uh, the, oh, the, you know, the president was talking about her. Michelle Obama was talking about her. Celebrities, everyone. Everyone knew who Sha'Carri Richardson was today. And no one knew who she was two months ago. And so she's blown up recently. And the fact that she is going to be performing... Um, you know, on August 21st is huge. Um, obviously the Olympics would have been much bigger and that's when everyone's watching track, but, uh, even people that don't watch it, but this is close enough that people will still care. I think now, obviously if, if 10 out of 10 is the Olympics, I say the Prefontaine classic is a seven out of 10, uh, for how many people are going to be paying attention. So I really, really hope that she puts together a very good performance uh, because if she does, that's going to get even more people back on board with track and they're going to be looking to see what else she might do the remainder of the year. And we're going to be extending how many, how much people are paying attention to track and field because usually non-watchers watch until the Olympics and then the Olympics happen. And it's like track and field must be over. It's like the Super Bowl, And once the Olympics happen, everything's done and you wait and you pack it up and you, and you go, go back to the drawing board. No, that's not the case. Uh, there are meets after the Olympics, and this is one of them. And so I'm hoping that uh, she puts together a really good race. She could take get a world-leading time. That'd be fantastic. Um, if she falls flat, it's going to be tough for us to, to recover because that's our biggest name in the sport right now. So uh, hoping that she does really well and looking forward to seeing that. But, um... Yeah, that was the that was pretty much everything that happened this week in track and field. Uh, stay tuned later on uh, in the week. We might have a bonus episode for you um, as a little review of that movie um, that I talked about on Instagram. If you take a look at our polls, uh, we're gonna see about that. Um, kind of waiting on a, on a few things there, but uh, should be exciting. So uh, thank you for watching another ep- or listening to another episode of Track World News. Um, if you haven't already, please make sure that you leave a review, uh, subscribe. And, and like the show uh, really helps us know that you're enjoying everything and, and I could we could really use all the support that, that we can get there. Um, so have a good one. Uh, we'll talk to you soon and peace.